Well, good morning again. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh my Lord, my God. Amen. Well, this is going to be a weird homily, I'm thinking, because I'm so confused already, which usually takes me longer to get confused. But I just got right with it this morning. Uh, as my normal routine is when I'm going to do a homily is to start asking God, what do you want to say? Not so much what I want to say. And I read the readings and then see if the Holy Spirit begins to prompt me in some way from what the readings are or if it's going to be just something from somewhere else. And I'm not sure about this one. So you have to bear with me. Uh, I suggest that you don't take notes because your notes probably will not make any kind of sense because of how scattered this might, might become. But on my way over here, I apologize for some things ahead of time because I just spent uh, five days with my grandchildren and my son. And they took me, I want to say they made me, but I volunteered to go kayaking on a river in Georgia. Thank goodness it wasn't like a really fast moving river, but it was fun. It was real fun. But I'm so sore. Like every, my, the, the tips of my hair hurt at times from it. So I learned a lesson is that if you're going to do stupid things like that when you're 70 years old, you need to get a head start. You know what I'm saying? And get in, get in some kind of exercise that will mimic what you're going to do so that you're not so sore afterwards. So, but it was a fun trip, but because of that, I'm kind of like really still tired and sore and a little bit of sunburn and all that kind of stuff in there. So on my way, coming last night, driving over, I drove over last night for our drive and just talking with the Lord, and um, I found myself just like in a weird, in a very odd place for me because it was like a hopeless place. And you know, I was talking to the Lord, and I said, "You know, what's what's happened to me? You know, why have I entered to this place of of?" Uh, not having enthusiasm, not being, you know, like ready to go kind of stuff. And so as I was thinking about the readings, uh, I was thinking about you know, what Paul says here in Romans and what uh, Matthew says in uh, Matthew, which I thought, I think it's really neat that Matthew wrote Matthews and Matthew pointed out that he was a tax collector, which in that day and time, that was like the, you know, other than being a prostitute, that was probably one of the worst things you could be as far as the Jews were concerned. But Matthew points out that, you know, he, that what he did for a living was he was a tax collector. You know, uh, hopefully Matthew was a good tax collector and that he wasn't just totally ripping everybody off, but probably not. You know, it's the nature of human and in situations we justify. It's incredible what we justify because everybody else does it. And so we tend to justify the things that we do Whereas once we have an encounter with Christ, we have to repent of those things. Uh, and unfortunately, the church does that. And we as, a, we as a church and the church as a whole, we allow society and the world and what Jesus called the world and stuff, but we allow our culture, our society to uh, influence us more than what we actually allow God to influence us most of the time. And that's a very sad thing. And that was what I kind of realized is that, you know, 
I was being influenced more by the world and what was going on in the world than I was being influenced by what was going on in the kingdom of God. Uh, which that's the rub, I think, for Christians is how do you know what's going on in the kingdom of God? What, you know, how do you know that? How do you know that with certainty? Especially when we're in a time like today where, we're, uh, you know, I confess, I think as a church, the American church as a whole, I think we've totally blowed it during this pandemic. I think we've backed, back, we've backed away and let, the, let the, the world, the politicians, the news people, the scientists, and all of those people influence us more than we've let the Holy Spirit and the, and the, and the Word of God and God Himself to influence us in the way we approach life. And all. Uh, and so, you know, that's, you know, we've come to a conclusion a long time ago about the COVID-19 deals that it is very, very, very demonic. You know, and that's, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. It's just this whole thing, the whole COVID-19, everything about it is based in fear. Everything the government comes up with, everything the experts come up with is based in fear. And if anyone says anything that's not fear-based, they get shut down and ridiculed and kicked off TV. They don't get to do the interviews and stuff. But those who propagate, who keep going on creating fear in people, are, are the ones that are on TV the most. And so unfortunately, so many of our people in the church have responded in fear. And I understand that. I mean, you know, like, the, the, you know, please don't misunderstand that I'm being condemning in any way of anybody and how they do, how they approach this virus and all. Because it is a deadly virus, particularly for people that are older, that have underlying diseases and stuff. But, you know, I realized that part of my despair and hopelessness feeling was that, like, the church had become something that I didn't like. Because we're still living in fear. You know, and our responses are more trying to figure out fear than it is just simply trusting God and being a Christian and allowing each person that relationship with God to dictate their life in whichever way that is. Uh, I know if my mom was still alive, I mean, she'd be old, really old, because uh, I'm 70, so she'd be... Eh, She'd probably be 90-ish or something. I wouldn't want her going out in public, you know, because of the chance of catching the disease. But to be afraid to go to church is something that I didn't think that I would ever experience in my life in America. Maybe if I was in Iran or someplace like that, or China, I'd be afraid to go to, you know, experience that fear of going to church. But in America, to be afraid to go to church, it's just, that's just wrong. There's nothing right about that. And so how have we got to this place where our church leaders, our politicians, our scientists, the world around us is responding in so much fear when we have the greatest hope that there's ever been, a hope that changed the complete world in probably one of the worst times in history for persecution and, and the killing of Christians. Uh, so what happened? What's happened to us? 
and all of that. And I say this is what has happened, what has happened to me, that I lost that, that, that it, it just belief and enthusiasm for God, and how, how have I let this? Really, the question for me is, what were these areas in my life that has affected me so radical, in ways that uh, I find very distressing for my own self? And so, you know, this is a very particular time for our country, I think. And I'm not saying this as being prophetic in any way, but I really kind of, on a very, very personal level, believe that this is the last call for the church. That the church can either come out of this stronger, or it'll be weakened to a place that it'll never be the, the church again. It'll just be an organization basically social organizations that's content to you know, to be very much like the churches in Europe and places like that where like uh, used to, I, I haven't been there in a long time, but used to in Europe you, the churches were just dead you know, and like very few people would even go to church you know, there's that postmodern Christianity kind of thing going on and I think this is a last call for the church in America particularly, but I think for the whole world, is God is just allowing, He's using this, He's allowed this to happen. It did take Him by surprise. He knew it was going to happen. He knew the reactions of everybody. And he, I think He's trying to draw us back to Himself. You know? And so, one of the things that I take comfort in is that he is doing that. That he's bringing the church, he's bringing me and most of us to a place of hopelessness. And we've got to refine our hope. You know, for us here in the CEC that came into the CEC and uh, in, in kind of in early years and stuff, we had this great enthusiasm, this great hope, this great because we had come into a, full, a more fullness of the expression of Christ and then in the church with the liturgy, the, the preaching, and the sacraments. And it created this real enthusiasm, this real, like, wow thing in, in all of us. And so we were, you know, like, going for it. And, you know, just talking to people and all of that, that kind of stuff. It was because we had seen something that was so different. And I think back to, to in the 60s uh, when the, God poured the Holy Spirit out so radically, probably the most radical pouring out since the day of Pentecost in the, in the beginning of the charismatic movement and the Jesus freaks and all that kind of stuff where it, it just happened. And there was such a, 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 an enthusiasm for Christ that was created by that. But now the church of those of us that was there in all these beginnings, you know, now we need to find our hope. And we need to find it in Christ. And we need to realize and really, uh, I think we need to, one of the things we need to do is realize what do we actually believe? You know, not what we say, but what we believe. You know, it's easy in Christianity uh, to talk about what you know, talk about the Bible to wax long and elegant I mean 
what other kind of deal do you know that has theologians that's made kajillions of dollars by being theologians and being great writers and all that that don't even know Jesus I mean how, how would Brian how would that work in your profession like, like how does that work that you can be a, a great whatever it is that you'd actually do but you'd have no idea what you're doing no, that's pretty much works there. <laughs> I got you. See, I always worked in a hands-on thing where you got fingers cut off if you didn't know something. <laughs> but it seems like in Christianity we can do that, that we can, we can get caught up into what we read and uh, to the place that we become, self, we become complacent and satisfied with what we say. And we don't, don't realize that the things that we say are things that we should believe. And not should we just believe them, but we should radically believe them. Not just, oh yeah, I believe that. It should be a radical belief that totally affects everything that we do in life. Not just when we're in church, or not just when we're with a bunch of friends and we want to sound like we know something. That's in the very beginning of the church in Acts they didn't have the Bible they also didn't have Christian speak you know they didn't have all the words to use to be a, to become to be a Christian they had to do it on a very personal individual level and they didn't most of us as well as I guess all of us were born in America and raised in a church atmosphere or church society. Uh, even me, I was actually, my parents were, uh, had been in church before I was born and right after I was born. And they, you know, so I was kind of churched as a little kid. I remember just being a little bitty kid in church and all. It was, uh, once I got old enough to make decisions of my own, I made all the bad ones and none of the good ones and stuff. But even I, was church somewhat and so even though I was a sinner dealing drugs and all that kind of stuff as a teenager I still knew some of the language and so I could get in conversations feel good about myself because I knew language it wasn't until I really came to the conclusion that it, I just knew language I didn't really know Christ himself that there, that there was that brokenness that led me to repentance, that led me to accepting Him. And so it's been a kind of that up and down travel of my whole life of realizing and falling and realizing and falling back and forth into that kind of stuff. And now I'm more in that place and getting more and more in that place is like questioning everything that I believe. You know, now... Uh, most Christians would say like, no, you can't say that. You should never question your belief. And I just totally disagree with that. Because I don't think we know what we believe. You know? Like when we, if we say we believe that, that if, you can't, if you can't ask any other question about what you believe, ask the one, ask this one, would you die for that? Would you, would you take a stand and would you die for that? If confronted by someone said, do you believe this? And you say, oh, yeah, man, I believe that. 
all Christians should believe that. And they go, well, you know, are you sure you believe that? Because if you believe that, I'm going to put a bullet between your eyes. Do you believe now? It's always a question about do we believe? And what do we actually believe? Do we believe what God says in his word? And are we willing to just accept that and look towards him? When we quit looking directly towards Christ, then we find that we start beginning to cycle down into a, the, the hopelessness and the despair that's all around us in the world today do it because of all this other stuff. You know? And it's like one of those things that, like, why are we surprised by this? The Bible tells us about it. It doesn't, it didn't, doesn't say or not in 2020 in March the world's going to go totally stupid and there will be no common sense left in the entire world. Uh, which that's my joke about COVID-19 is that the first science of it that's entering society is that society doesn't necessarily contact the disease but they do lose their minds and they have no common sense left whatsoever. Because uh, none of what we've done has any common sense to it whatsoever. Because we change it every, day, every other day. The only real stable thing that we can look forward to that I think that we have to go, I'm not, I'm done with all this other. I'm just going to look to Christ and Christ alone. And I'm not going to be surprised by crazy anymore because I know that the only sanity is Christ and Christ himself. And that that's where my hope is. My hope's not in Donald Trump or Joe Biden or whoever, whatever flavor that, that you like. If your hope is there, you're going to be so disappointed, you know, because our only hope is actually in Christ. And I think the timing of the COVID-19 is trying, God's trying to get us to understand, our hope is not in our government. Our hope is not in Donald Trump, the Republican Party, or conservatism, or liberalism, and progressive, or progressive, if that's your leanings. Our hope has to be firmly focused and centered in Jesus Christ and him alone. In Romans and throughout the Bible, it's amazing how many places you'll find this, the same vein of thought. Paul says, uh, yes, I'll just read the first couple of verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's great. But I wonder sometimes, since we have such a peace with God, do we get complacent? Do we, do we let our guards down? Do we start going, with, hey, life is good? You know, I don't have to really be up on my guard all the time. I don't have to be looking, you know, for what, for bad stuff. And so when bad things happen, we get, oh, wow. We get shocked by it. But yet Paul tells us in verse 2, Through whom also we have attained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt or rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also rejoice in our tribulation. And then it goes into about what tribulation produces. You know, it's obviously funny. We get caught up in our personal tribulations and stuff and we think they're horrible and terrible and it's actually 
the tribulation if we walk through it with our hope in Christ that produces all the things that we would like to have be you know uh, I mean we'd all like to have perseverance and we'd all like to have a proven character and in the proven character have hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is, who is given to us. And that's the rub for me, I think, right there, is that I tend to forget, because I don't like it, that tribulation, that problems, that stuff, that are, well, is what produces actual hope. Because it produces these other fruits. These are other things that ends in having real hope. And also, like I said, this is probably one of those weird homilies. Like I say, I'm glad I'm not in class now in homiletics because I might not only fail the course, but I might get kicked out for, for poor everything on this. But our hope is in Christ. That's the bottom line of the, what I'm wanting to say to you is that our hope is in Christ. But, you know, hope also kind of demands some action on our part. The uh, reading in uh, Matthew about sending, the, sending those guys out, the, uh, one of the great missed words, I think, that has led us to kind of put, put these verses on the shelf is the word preach. That's not really the, the word there. The word is really just proclaim. When it says, as you go, proclaim, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. I thought about using that text and preaching a whole sermon on that because that's a, that covers a whole lot of territory right there. And as I was thinking about that on my way over here in my own state of being, I was like, yeah, we're, we're not supposed to be preaching. We're supposed to be proclaiming. There's a difference in preaching. What I'm doing could be stretched to say I'm preaching. But what we're called to do is proclaim. And proclaiming is just stating an obvious fact and sharing that fact with other people. And that's what changed the world so quickly, that you had these few people that went out and started sharing a life, uh, an ex uh, the, the experience of the Holy Spirit and uh, those life-changing things and, sh and sh proclaiming that there was something better than what you have now. And I think the church is, going, is fixing to be called back to that message. Is that, and it's not for preachers. It's for every single Christian. He didn't leave out any of these disciples. Not even Judas was left out of this. We're all called as Christians is to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Not preach a theological point of view, but proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand now. It is drawing near to us, nearer every day. Uh, like I say, I'm not much on the whole end time stuff because I tried that one time and found out that I was dumber than all the other people and I figured out that they weren't all that smart either. So that left me bad, pretty bad off on trying to figure that stuff out. I just know that Jesus is coming. 
You know, and I look at what goes on, I go like, how much longer can he wait? There won't be anything to come to, kind of deal. So, you know, Jesus may be very near to showing up. And we need to give that hope to other people. Is that there's hope past COVID-19. There's hope past the 20, the next elections. There's hope in the midst of the most severe tribulation, the most severe famines, the most severe everythings. There's hope. And that hope is in Christ and the kingdom of God. We look at what goes on here and how it's so dramatically affected the church here in America. And I mean, compared to the, what's going on in the world in the last hundred years, this is just nothing. It's really not that big a deal. It's, it's a deal, but, it's, but when you look at what's happened in other countries and other parts of the world, the famines that have killed millions of people, the persecutions that's killed millions of people, the, the pandemics in other countries that's killed hundreds of thousands of people, but yet, there's people in all of those countries that still live in hope. And so, my challenge to myself, and I thought at one time that I'd see if Brian had a mirror he could sit here so I could truly preach to myself, is to have hope. And not, not you know, quit looking at this and start looking at Him. And Him alone. For whatever our hope is to be. And realize that that we walk a line between two worlds and it depends on how which side that we start leaning towards how we really truly lead our lives we are creatures of this world but we're sojourners we're just passing through our real home our real country our real everything is the kingdom of God and I believe that we can walk today in a large largely in that kingdom and really in the most important parts of that kingdom. So it, again, that's another probably sermon series of about 10 years is what, what is the most important, what's going to be the coolest, most and greatest thing about the kingdom of God when it's fully manifested, you know? What would, what would that be? Will it be sitting on clouds with angels or, you know? We all have these different ideas, but we can look to revelations and go, go like, well, probably the coolest thing is that we're going to be in His presence and we're going to be singing holy, holy, holy for a very long time with all the angels because we'll be have a continuing revelation of the holiness and the greatness, the love, the grace of God for a very, very long time because it's going to take a very long time for us to grasp anything, really. What we think we grasp now is just nothing. That's what we're going to like get there. A friend of mine was making a transition into the Catholic Church, and we was talking, and he was trying to encourage me to drift up that way. And we had all these crazy discussions about theology, doctrine, one through church, and all yada 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 like that. And I finally just told him, I said, you know, this is the one thing I'm convinced of: is that when we all get to heaven, and we're all there, that we're going to be with all the, 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 all the apostles and every one of them will be on their face saying grace, grace, thank God for grace because we all missed it. We've all, we all truly missed it in some way. Amen? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.